Welcome, everyone. Great to see everyone at Christ Central here at Clark Street. And for those watching online, welcome and Merry Christmas to you all. Uh, my name is Joe Crummy, and I'm going to be speaking today from the Book of Acts. And this is our fourth Sunday of Advent. And as we focus on love and as we prepare for the celebrating the birth of Jesus. Now, as we start today, I have something here with me that hopefully you can see online and for those of you at the back can you see what that object is anyone want to shout it out the best sled ever also known as the most dangerous sled <laughs> ever as well can you kind of see what can you see that at the back can you see that uh, so how many people ever owned one of these or something like it a toboggan crazy carpet sled okay let's keep going how many of you have ever gone on one and let's just say you might have got a bit out of control put your hands up put your hands way up i i think everybody in this whole place i'm glad that you feel this is a safe place to be honest <laughs> and to confess how many of you have ever been in that situation where you needed someone to maybe intervene to rescue you from crashing. I see a few like, you can be honest with us. Well, you might have had that situation on a toboggan, maybe when you were skiing, maybe on a bike, and maybe you realize that uh, disaster is looming as the toboggan or bike and that picks up speed and you realize this is not going well and you might need some help in order to stop it might be a bit like we're going to show a video hopefully you can see it it might be a bit like this video take a look for so long a beautiful smile to hide the I can fly higher than the eagle. I love that song. You right? Hopefully you saw that. The kid's on the bike. He's heading towards the vehicle. And the dad, at the last moment, rescues him and saves him from hitting the vehicle. Now, you might be saying, Joe, what in the world does that have to do with Christmas? I'm here to tell you today that has everything to do with Christmas, because at Christmas time we realize that, hey, God is love, and in his love, God gives us some warnings in his word, the Bible, that we as humanity are in danger. That in a sense, our lives without Jesus are a bit out of control and we're heading for trouble. And this morning, if you can use your imagination, my sled here is kind of representing humanity that at one point this sled was in perfect condition it wasn't all broken and mangled and scarred up and the bible talks about our first 
set of parents, Adam and Eve, in the garden, God created them male and female. It says that they were perfect, that they represented God. And we can see that through some bad choices of uh, their rebellion against God. In a sense, humanity was messed up from that point on. And folks, we're born into that humanity. Now, it's bad enough that, you know what, humanity and this is all, all wrecked and everything. But here's the other thing. In addition to it, it gets even worse. I'm a terrible driver. So, the Bible talks about we are in trouble because our humanity's messed up, and so we're in trouble. But also, we realize, you know what? A lot of the times, we, in control of our lives, we don't always make the right decisions. We don't always right, make the right choices. A lot of times, we can't blame anyone else. We mess up our lives as well. And the Bible talks about, you know what? There's kind of like signs and symptoms that are all around us that I don't think I have to really convince many of us for very long that we realize that humanity is messed up. And we've heard a lot about it even in 2020, haven't we? We're like, what's going on with the world? This world is totally messed up. Guess what? Yes, this world is totally messed up. But here's some signs and symptoms of when we break it down. We realize this. You know what? Sometimes we lack some meaning and purpose and significance in our lives. And I've talked to people, and you're like, you know what? People just don't have a reason to get up in the morning. It's really depressing and discouraging, isn't it? It's like people don't have any hope in their lives. People feel empty. They're looking for someone. They're looking for something to fill their lives. And I am absolutely convinced that's why Hallmark keeps making all those Christmas movies that are on since like October. And the ratings go through the roof because we want to hear a good news story. We want to kind of live vicariously through these movies that, hey, I can find the right person that's going to make my life complete. I'm going to, something is going to happen that's going to bring some hope and love to my life. We're ruled by fear. We can be ruled by anxiety. We can be overwhelmed by life. We can be stressed out, defeated. And then we can even be fearful of death. We can be fearful of dying. We can be fearful of what can, comes next. And actually, sometimes death can appear to be the most inviting thing. That sometimes we just want to escape, and so our suicide rate goes way up. Folks, we live in a messed up world. Humanity is a train wreck. And we see in God's word that Jesus came along, and he said some things like this. One of the things Jesus said was, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And then Jesus said something like this. What does it profit a person if they gain the whole world and yet lose their soul? Missing out on Jesus, missing out on Jesus and what we celebrate here at Christmas affects this life here on planet Earth, but it affects the life to come in eternity. And this all points to a need. All these signs and symptoms, all the things that we're talking about point to the need of a rescuer, that we need a savior. We need a savior to save us from a meaningless life from a selfish life. We need a Savior to save us from death and to give us new life. And as we've been going through this book of Acts, this series, we see that Jesus has come and he's ushered in not only just a new life, he's ushered in a whole new kingdom. We've just been singing about through some of our songs. And that heaven is come to earth. 
And last week we looked at the Holy Spirit being poured out, a supernatural event in history where a long-fulfilled promise was fulfilled. That Jesus is not just saying there's a new way through him to relate to God. There's a new power now by the Holy Spirit for us to live a life that pleases God. And the Holy Spirit is given to Jesus' followers to live within them. Helper, teacher, counselor, advocate. We're not on our own. Hallelujah. And this is where we pick up the story and we're going to read here in a moment. Acts chapter 2, we're going to pick up. Peter's still talking. So the Holy Spirit's been poured out. Some supernatural things have happened. We see people speaking in new languages. We even had that in our meeting here this morning as Angela brought a language in a different unknown to her and she helped even bring her own interpretation to that which is a gift from God happens today. So let's read Acts chapter 2. And again, this is the context. The Holy Spirit, Jesus returned to heaven. The Holy Spirit's been poured out to his followers. Incredible things are happening. And Peter is explaining to the crowds who don't understand. This is his message. We'll pick it up at verse 22. We read this. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, so now he's referring to something King David hundreds of years earlier had said in the Psalms. David said this, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried. And his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and he knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he has not, was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalt it to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, now he's quoting from Psalm 110 that David wrote, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Whew! So folks, the God, the background is this, God is love, and God demonstrates his love to us by sending us Jesus his Savior, his Messiah, his King, and it's good news. And briefly today, I just want to help build a foundation that those of us who put our hope and faith in Jesus Christ, it's a sure foundation. It's not just wishful thinking. It's based on the 
fact of God's word. And maybe for some of you here today, maybe for the first time, God's going to reveal to you the truth of who Jesus really is. First of all, let's look at some good news events. God has sent a Savior, his son, Jesus. And Peter says this, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs. Folks, we follow a Jesus who lived on planet Earth. It was his, he's a historical figure in history. He was born on planet Earth. And it was the most unique birth ever. He was born, as we sing, of a virgin mother, but conceived by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, fully human, fully God. <laughs> Woo! He's unique. And you know what that did? It broke that chain all the way from Adam and Eve through humanity of sin and us being a broken people. Jesus broke that because he was born different from everyone else. On planet earth Jesus lived on planet earth and it says that God's spirit was upon him and he did miracles and wonders and signs folks the Jesus that we follow you have to remember the things he did while he was on planet earth it'd be like us being here for three days and hearing teaching and you know what? Us getting a bit hungry and going like, there's no Wendy's, there's no McDonald's, there's no Subway. What are we going to do? And we've got five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus feeds 5,000 people with lots of stuff left over. It's incredible. Folks, sometimes we can hear these stories, but we got to understand what that would be like. God caused the blind to be able to see, the deaf to be able to hear, those who had leprosy, who were outcasts, he made them clean and whole, and they could be brought back into the community. He taught with amazing authority and incredible wisdom. He loved the poor and the outcasts. He drove out demonic spirits that just wrecked people's lives, and they were brought back into their right mind, and they could follow him. He turned water into wine at weddings. He raised the dead. Wow. No one else has done any of those things like that in history. Jesus, a unique birth. Jesus, a unique life. And then the Bible says this. There's a complete plot twist in the story. Because we're all thinking, okay, Jesus, king, he's coming to set things right. This is good. And he's going to overthrow the Romans. And he's going to do all these things. And how is he going to do that? Well, it'll be some revolution. And then we read this. Jesus was murdered on a cross. And you're like, his followers were like, what? That's not what we were expecting that Jesus laid down his life as a sacrifice and they were in shock and disappointment and shame. But now they're living in the good that a couple of days later, God had power to raise Jesus from the dead. Jesus was resurrected never to die again. And now Peter, with some hindsight and the help of the Holy Spirit, he's like, ah, now I can see it was meant to be. It's both God's foreknowledge. God had a plan all the way just as Adam and Eve sinned in chapter 1 and in chapter 2, in Genesis 3, we see promises already given that one is going to come. He's going to be Savior and make things right. And Peter says it's human responsibility. The Jewish leaders and the Roman leaders made the wrong decision. They killed an innocent man. And those two were always fused of God's sovereignty and our responsibility. And Jesus' birth was an event in history that we celebrate at Christmas. And at Easter, we celebrate Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead are events in history. And Peter's making sure that we understand this key event 
of the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus just didn't, in spirit form, return to heaven. Jesus was raised in a body that had died on a cross and should have been rotting in a grave. But Jesus, in bodily form, was raised from the dead. He ate with them. He said, touch me. A real body resurrected, never to die again. So you're saying, Joe, where are you going with this? Why is, are these good news events important? Because we have to understand this. These good news events that took place, they were promised hundreds and hundreds of years ago through God's promises. That's incredible. You think something happened hundreds of years ago that was said and recorded all the way through down is now being fulfilled. God just didn't raise Jesus from the dead and kind of like, well, you know, I've done a few tricks and, you know, I'm kind of bored and I'll, I raised Lazarus and I'll, 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 I'll raise Jesus. No, this had been promised hundreds of years in the making. And if you remember King David back in the Old Testament, so David, kind of famous through some stories, David was a shepherd boy, God chose him. He said, you're going to be king over my people, and he's anointed, and the Holy Spirit came upon him. And David, it says, was a man after God's own heart. And God loved David. And God made promises to David. And one of the promises he gave to David was this. Out of your family line, out of your lineage, out of your family tree, there's going to always be a king for my people. And one day there's going to be a king who's going to live forever, he's going to rule forever, and his government is going to increase and increase and increase. That's the promise given to David. David was like, the promise is given to him. He's like, God, who am I to receive such promises? But it's foretelling, it's foreshadowing. It's like an amazing novel that there's things coming. And it's important to show in history that Jesus came from the line of David. That's why in our carols and in our songs, we read so much about from David's line. It's important because it shows that Jesus is the rightful king. He was born in Bethlehem because that's where David's family line came from. And Peter now quotes from Psalm 16, verses 25 to 28 and verse 31, written hundreds of years earlier by David himself. And David's quoting and he's saying, there's a way of life coming that would happen when one dies, you're not abandoned to the grave, your body's not going to decay, but you're going to have life and joy in God's presence. Wow. But we have a slight problem, isn't it? Because David died. And David couldn't have been speaking about himself when he died. And Peter's saying to a Jewish audience in Jerusalem, look, we know where David's tomb is, right? Even to this day, we can go there. He's dead. But David was pointing towards someone else who was yet to come. And then Peter quotes David again from Psalm 110, written by David, which reveals that Jesus is not only the Messiah and Savior, but he's also Lord. He is God himself. David wrote, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Lord, God the Father, said to my Lord, Jesus the Son, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Jesus is Lord and King, King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus has been given, and we read this, When Jesus returned to heaven, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Peter's making this really important connection. It says, Jesus, who was exalted to the right hand of the Father, 
has now been given the Holy Spirit who has poured out what you now see and hear. Peter's going to great lengths to say, the one who has been raised from the dead, Jesus, is the true son of David. That he is the heir of David. He's the true king. He's Savior, Messiah, but he's also Lord. The anointed one, the Messiah, the one who saves, is also King of kings and Lord of lords. And he's been given authority to do what you now see and hear. Do you see the layers of foundation that Peter's going to to say, this is the true Messiah. This is the true king. And Peter and the apostles, who before were scared and ashamed of Jesus, just even a couple of months ago, are now bold because they've been given revelation to understand that this Jesus who died and suffered has now been raised from the dead. And the Holy Spirit has come and enabled them and empowered them to be witnesses, to be able to say, this is what we've seen and heard and experienced. It's fact. It's based on the Word of God. It's based on promises given, and God's been faithful to fulfill them. Hallelujah. And now we who are followers of Jesus, we're now those witnesses. I'm witnessing this morning, today, to the fact that these things are true 2,000 years later. Good news events. There's been good news witnesses. There's good news promises here are the promises. Because Jesus is now alive and exalted to the right hand of God, and God the Father has made this Jesus both Lord and Christ. Promises are made that if we trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, as we call on his name to be saved, we get to receive two incredible things. Whew, speaking of Christmas and gifts, we get to receive the forgiveness of sins, and we get to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. First of all, forgiveness of sins. When God speaks and reveals and stirs our hearts and informs our minds that we need to be saved from a life without God at the center and we're heading to destruction in humanity and our own lives. When we get that conviction that we need God, we do cry out and say, God, what do we need to do? And Peter tells them to believe that they are forgiven. That our independent, rebellious life, our selfishness, our wrong choices and decisions throughout our lives, our inner thoughts of lust and how we hate people, and if only people understood what was really going on the inside that we're embarrassed about, our outer actions, the Bible says all of these things, this is the good news, have been erased through our Savior. That the power of Jesus' death on the cross overpowered both the sins of us personally and the sin of humanity, and that lineage is broken. And he writes, says this, conversion is not just an admission of our failure. It is a confession of faith in Christ's great victory. Let me read that again. Conversion is not just an admission of our failure. And sometimes, oh, it's a confession of faith in Christ's great victory. That's why we as Christians, we can say we're so thankful we've been forgiven even though we don't deserve it. It's a gift. We've been forgiven, and we live in the goodness of all of that. And Peter tells the crowds that true converts to Jesus will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's essential if we're to live our lives as true followers of Christ, that God dwells in us and fills us, as we talked about last week, that we're empowered to live a life that pleases God, that we're enabled to be a witness, to share good news, that we have that assurance, as Russ was reading out from Galatians, we have assurance that God loves me, that I'm a child of God, that God's my Father, 
I don't have to earn it. I receive it. And the Holy Spirit gives gifts to us in order for us to be able to build up the church and to be witnesses to our community. The whole message of Acts is this, that Jesus needs to stay in bodily form in heaven, but he sends his Holy Spirit to dwell in us. And now we fulfill the works of Jesus through our lives. Being a Christian is not just about receiving forgiveness of sins, which is wonderful, hallelujah. It's not just about going to heaven after we die, which is true and amazing. It's not just about receiving the Holy Spirit for us to feel God's peace, which is true and amazing. It's also about turning our lives over to Jesus so that Jesus now lives his life through us. And the things that Jesus did when he was walking on planet Earth about feeding people and bringing good news to people and casting out demons and bringing healing to physical bodies and declaring good news, guess what? That's now done through his followers. And that's why he's given his Holy Spirit for us to be enabled to live out Jesus' mission and to bring God's kingdom everywhere we go. We now have purpose and meaning in our life. Last thing, there are good news events, there are good news witnesses, there are good news promises, and there's some good news conditions, and we'll end with this. The people said as they heard the message, what shall we do? And folks today, for those watching online, it's not a formula to become a Christian, but it's a call to follow the living Christ. Jesus is alive today. We're not just saying we're lining up with a creed or something that happened 2,000 years ago. Jesus is alive today. We follow a living God. Peter said it, and we say it today. This corrupt generation is heading for disaster. Peter said that 2,000 years ago. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. We can say today, folks, save ourselves from this crazy world Jesus stands and says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. If you want to get to God, you come through me. Jesus can stop humanity, Jesus can stop you and I from falling into disaster, from crashing our lives. The message is this, be rescued. Let Jesus rescue us. And that's where we need to humble ourselves. Jesus wants to rescue us from a life that's ruined without him at the center and from the consequences of our sin and humanity's sin. And Peter uses the word repent. He says we need to turn away from the way we're going and we need to turn back to God. And the same message holds true for us today. We need to turn to Jesus. We need to turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, rescue and save me. Peter tells the crowd that there's something specific they must do as a mark of this repentance, and that is to be baptized in water. Because becoming a Christian has become part of the kingdom of God. It's to be identified with Jesus, to be part of the people who claim his life and his death and his resurrection as the center and foundation of our lives. And folks, that's why we're, our church is called Christ Central. We're like, Christ is central. <laughs> He's central to our lives. He's the foundation. He's everything that we're living for. And baptism is going down under the water, and it's marking that our old life is buried with Christ, 
It's leaving behind my slavery to sin and to death and coming up out of that water, which is so powerful. It shows that we're united and we're raised with Jesus Christ. And now I have freedom by the power of the Holy Spirit to live a life that pleases him. You and I need to allow Jesus himself to grab a hold of us and to save us from the consequences of the way we are going, which is our forgiveness of sins. We need to receive a new energy to go in the right direction. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit. And to save us from an eternity apart from God. And that fulfillment of David from Psalm 16, that we're going to have joy in his presence forevermore. Hallelujah. To do all this is to turn back from the way we were going and to go into the direction of Jesus. This is what is meant by the word repent. And it's the same message today. Peter said, this is the same message for all times, for all people groups throughout all history. It's the same message for us here in 2020. And in the new year, we're going to be learning more about what it is to be part of this new community of Christ. It's an incredible thing to be part of the body of Christ, to be part of the family of God. So today in closing, folks, there's good news. Christmas is about declaring that there's good news. There's good news. God is love, but God's demonstrated that love through sending his son, his savior, Jesus Christ, to rescue us from us as humanity going off a cliff to us individually for the wrongs that we choose to do. That our faith is based on the facts and the fulfillment of God being faithful to his promises. There's good news events. Jesus was born on planet Earth, Christmas. Jesus lived a life that brought about the kingdom of God. He died for our sins. He was raised from the dead. He ascended to heaven. He's the rightful king at the right hand of the Father, and he sent his spirit. There's good news witnesses, promises foretold. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years have come true in Jesus. Hallelujah. And real people witnessed these events, recorded them, and today, as followers, we are witnesses of Jesus' saving power. There's good news promises for all who call on the name of Jesus. We can receive forgiveness of sins. We can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We can receive new life. Hallelujah. And there's good news conditions for all that we can repent, that we can change course, that we can turn from whatever we are following and we can turn to Jesus and we can let him rescue us and we can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and we can be baptized in water which identifies us with the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So just as I close, for anyone here, for anyone watching, listening online, this is God's heart. I, I know it's my heart, and I believe just get a little glimpse of God's heart. It's don't miss out. Don't miss out on Jesus. Don't miss out. It's sad when people miss out. We don't want any of you living a meaningless life. We don't want any of you living an empty life, just trying the next thing, the next thing to be filled. We don't want you living a life bound to fear and anxiety. We don't want you fearing death. We don't want you thinking that death looks more inviting than living. 
we all know we're heading to disaster. That's the world. But God has intervened, as has been said today. God has sent his son, a rescuer. He's come to grab us and to save us and to put us on a path that lives for him and his kingdom, that we can tell others the good news that we've been rescued. I stand today saying, I've been rescued. I've received forgiveness and the Holy Spirit and a new life and a new trajectory in life. And today, you can repent. This week, you can be baptized. You know what? What an incredible week it would be to be baptized. So if you're here today, watching online, please contact us. We would love to baptize you this week to be identified with Jesus Christ. We will find, we've got a couple of people who have nice hot tubs. We can baptize you this week. Wouldn't that be awesome to be baptized the week of Christmas? To say that I've identified, I've repented, I've received forgiveness and the Holy Spirit, and now I'm marked as a follower of Jesus Christ. Why don't we stand and we're going to sing a closing song, which is all about summarizing what we've just talked about. That this salvation is available for all of us. It's good news for all. That Jesus has died for all. That all can call on the name of Jesus to be saved. So let's sing this together, and then we'll give you some closing instructions. Thank you.